Hello everyone, super excited for this episode with Chris Mills from Sales Loft on pricing. This episode is one of the reasons why I started the podcast. I really was hoping to talk to people who changed my mind about subjects or just enlightened me and expanded my horizons. I've always thought that pricing was something that is just super tricky and difficult to get into and I never knew quite how to approach it. And so I thought that it often didn't make sense for product marketing teams to get really, really involved. But Chris really changed my mind here. How product marketing is so core to pricing, how his team owns it, and how he's the, the executive sponsor for it at SalesLoft was really enlightening, really inspiring. So awesome episode, stay tuned. As always, shout out to our sponsor, Crayon. Crayon analyzes key trends and makes acting on insights easy. This means dynamically updated battle cards, alerts, dashboards, and much more. Crayon is a great tool for marketers looking to maintain differentiated messaging, improve sales win rates, catch important updates from competitors, and much more. Check them out at crayon.co. Sharebird.com. Sharebird.com is a peer mentoring platform. It's the place to discover on-demand resources to help you with product marketing. They're great resources and also a job board on the site. So check out sharebird.com if you haven't already. If you have any feedback on this episode or this podcast, things you like, things you want to hear, anything else, please shoot us an email at podcasts at sharebird.com. All right, let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Product Marketing Experts, brought to you by Sharebird. I'm your host, Marcus Andrews, and today we're diving deep into pricing and packaging. Pricing and packaging are obviously critical to a business. Price too low and run the risk of devaluing your solution and leaving money on the table. Price too high and hamstring your sales team and kill your pipeline. Product marketers are looked to as experts when it comes to PNP, but most folks I meet don't really have a good system here, including myself. This is an issue because positioning, packaging, and pricing are all related, and they should all be figured out together when you're launching a new product or product line. They can be an amazing lever for your business when done right and a direct tie to revenue impact for PMMs. But for the most part, I think companies figure this out only after things have gone wrong. Most pricing today, especially among B2B SaaS companies, is just a version of how everyone else in the space is doing it. In many ways, this can lead to a race to the bottom, but there is a huge opportunity here for product marketers to step up to the plate and solve this challenge for businesses we're really well suited to. But if we don't figure it out, I think we'll lose this to another part of the organization. And I see both happening today. So I wanted to get a real expert on the show to help us here. And I'm thrilled to have snagged Chris Mills, VP of Product Marketing at SalesLoft. SalesLoft is the number one sales engagement platform. They help organizations like NCR and MuleSoft and Square and Cisco and Zoom generate more revenue and deliver better experiences to their customers. Chris has done this a bunch. He's spent the last 10 plus years in product and portfolio marketing leadership positions, taking on multiple large scale pricing and packaging initiatives, including launching a new SaaS platform, driving a large-scale packaging and pricing switch from on-prem software to a subscription model. So super excited for this one. Chris, how's it going? Good. Uh, great to talk to you, Marcus. Awesome. So really excited to talk pricing and packaging. I've been dying to get someone on the show to dive deep on this. But first, have you ever considered making a run at the prices, right? I feel like you'd really crush it, Chris, with your experience. You've got everything yeah. it could take. Yeah, I spent a lot of time thinking about pricing and packaging probably over the last 10 years or so, including actually working for a software company that did pricing optimization for airlines and manufacturing companies, uh, helping them uh, get the price right. 
Nice. So tell me about product marketing at SalesLoft. What does it look like there and how did you make your way to uh, the VP? Uh, yeah, so I run our product partner and now uh, as we launch into verticals, our vertical uh, marketing team. Right now we have a team of about five and we're hiring uh, for a couple of product marketing roles. One specifically for financial services marketing as well as a product platform, product marketer. So if you know anyone, we're hiring. And how I got to SalesLoft, I spent the last five years or so doing various marketing leadership and product marketing leadership roles at companies that were struggling either because they didn't have great product market fit or they were in small markets or they weren't growing that fast. And so as I was evaluating other opportunities and where I wanted to go, I really wanted to find a high growth company in an interesting sort of accelerated growth space that had an awesome culture. And I really found that in sales loft. So I've been here about 18 months and just have loved it the whole time. It's a fast growth company with an awesome culture and a lot of stuff going on. 18 months feels like in dog years, maybe 10 years. Yeah. As a sales engagement, I like the technology too. I think you can really make an impact on those sales teams when you're doing something smart for them. So really interesting to hear. With pricing and packaging, I think it's a little bit scary to take on, I'm sure for, I mean, everybody, right? Because the impact here is is direct, right? Like if you get it wrong, bad things happen. If you get it right, great things happen. But I mean, how do you think about that, right? Like do you, what happens when you get it wrong? What happens when you get it right? Do you have any examples here that you talk to people about? Yeah. I mean, it's a large impact to the organization, right? If you get it right, you know, you can grow, you help revenue, you help profitability, you know, all kinds of goodness happens. Uh, and if you get it wrong, sales have a hard time selling whatever you're selling, customers don't get it. So it makes things difficult. For me, the thing, the areas that you can get it wrong, pricing and packaging are if it's too complex, right? If customers and sales don't get it and it's hard to understand and articulate how your products and services are priced, or if it doesn't match the way customers perceive that they will get value from the solution, there's a mismatch, right? And it just makes things difficult. There's also the level at which you price, right? So if you price too high, what ends up happening is, is there's no standardization of how you price in the market. And there's tons of discounting behavior from the sales team. And it's just the wild west. And you really don't know, you know what the true price point and value of your solution is. And then I think another thing that you can go wrong is, is letting your competitors dictate how you price and the discounting behavior of your sales team. Another area where you can get it wrong is not spending the time and effort to roll the pricing changes out uh, and communicate it effectively to your sales team and your customers. I've seen a lot of SaaS companies do this too often when they try to do a pricing overhaul. I think the biggest problem and most common problem is complexity. If it's too complex, it's hard to sell and it's hard to buy. When you get it yeah. right, it's simple to understand. It maps to how the customer sees value and then it's easy to sell and easy for the customer to buy. And ultimately it drives growth. Yeah. Super interesting. Why do you think people fall into that complexity trap? I mean, it might feel like a safety blanket, right? Because if you make your pricing kind of opaque and complex, then it's easy to charge whatever. But I mean, why do people fall into that complexity trap? Uh, I think it becomes common when, particularly as a portfolio of solutions gets more complex. You've acquired things, you've launched multiple products, uh, customers are consume it in different ways. And you may be tempted to 
try to capture every little bit of value and every permutation of how a customer is going to use and consume your product. And when you do that, it leads to complexity. And so I think one of the things you have to think about is the 80-20 rule. Like generally, how are customers going to consume this and how do I come up with a price and a price model that's going to make sense and drive some simplicity. And yeah, there might be some edge cases that you aren't capturing every every dime for, but I think that's okay because I think you you make up up for it in the simplicity and the fact that it's easy to buy and sell. Yeah, that, that's really good advice. I think that uh, just knowing you going through a lot of these and knowing that that complexity issue is the biggest enemy, at least that you've seen and keeping that in mind and, and it being okay with, you know, having 10 or 20% of, of people not have the perfect pricing, but the, the 80% is, is going to outweigh that is, is really interesting and good advice. You also mentioned value mismatch. So one of my questions for you was, what's the relationship between product positioning and pricing? And I think that to me starts to get into that question, but can you unpack that idea of the value mismatch when people are evaluating software and looking at pricing? Yeah. I mean, I think that, that one of the primary drivers of how pricing and, and positioning are interlinked is how is your solution perceived in the market or how do you want your solution and your company brand perceived in the market? Are you a leader? Are you a premium uh, solution relative to other solutions or you know products that are in the market? And what part of the market are you going after? Are you, are you going after large enterprise customers or a segment that doesn't have the level of price sensitivity? Uh, that others might. There's a big difference between selling to a bank, which has lots of money and profit to spend on technology and selling to education in inner cities, right? Like very different levels of price sensitivity. So I think you have to take that into consideration. Uh, I think you also have to take into consideration uh, how competitive is the market? Are you a unique solution uh, where there's no other really alternatives to what you can offer. You have a lot more leeway in how you price your product in that type of market versus if it's a very competitive market and there are a lot of solutions that are fairly similar, potentially positioned in different ways. You have to look at that competitive dynamic to understand, you know, at what price point can you sell your solution? And then I think uh, another thing is the, the dynamics of the market that you're in are the price ceilings or things that are going to put a put a cap on what you can charge because it's relative to something else. So as an example, uh, if you're selling software into the sales software tech space, often most of these companies have a CRM system and it could be Salesforce or, or another system and your solution like ours is going to complement or attach to that CRM system. You have to think of the value that you're delivering relative to what that customer is paying for that other solution that Mm -hmm. yours is hooking into. And usually that's going to create some sort of price ceiling or at least a relative price point where your solution needs to be priced around relative to the value that you're delivering uh, to that other solution. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of those questions can be answered through positioning work, like, you know, competitive analysis, market analysis, a lot of the research that product marketing uh, teams are already doing, I think. But uh, you tell me, like, is it like, do, do the same tools work? Do you have, is there other tools that you use to figure that out? Like, what is the research process look to kind of figure some of these out? And like, how does that 
can you use some of the positioning you've already built to figure that out? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it relates to the work that product marketers are already doing, right? Understanding the market dynamics that, that you're playing in, uh, understanding the competitors and the alternative solutions that are out there, understanding the ecosystem of other sort of complementary solutions. You know, I think a big piece of it, and I think this is important for anything that you're doing in product marketing, is customers, right? Go talk to customers and understand, you know, what, what problems are they solving? What is the benefit of solving for those problems? And what's the monetary impact that that makes to their business? Because a lot of the value calculation comes from that, right? Uh, and I think anything that we do in product marketing, if you're not talking to customers or prospective customers, there's a big miss. Anything that we do from a, pro uh, a, a positioning perspective, messaging, pricing, packaging, it ultimately it's going gonna, it's gonna to be articulated to the customer or the potential customer and they need to understand it and be able to equate it to the value that that thing is going to deliver for them. Uh, yeah. So I think that's important. I think talking to the sales team because ultimately they're on the front lines of articulating that message and they're often closest to the customer, right? They're talking to customers every single day, all day, and they have a great viewpoint. So I think it's really important to, to talk to them and your customer success team who's interacting with customers all the time. Although I think it's really important that you don't only get that perspective. It's really important that you actually talk to the customer and uh, prospective customers because often you'll get a slightly different story uh, than what you hear from your internal teams. Yes, I'm sure uh, the sales team is probably a little bit interested in doing things that might help themselves, but uh, that's fair. But yeah, I think that simplifies it. You know, I think there's a lot to figure out here, but I think your advice is just kind of uh, simplifying it in my mind and making it a little bit more tangible, which is really helpful. Um, so one question I had for you too is like, you know, whether there's probably something happening that makes it the right time to figure out pricing or relook at pricing. But, you know, if, if you're a product marketer leader in a company or maybe just leadership in general, like what are the, what are the business questions or what are the pricing questions that you should be asking to try and uncover any pricing issues or to try and figure this out as you go on? So the questions that the business or product marketing should be asking themselves or asking others in the organization for a big pricing overhaul is, is our pricing model right? Right. Like, do we have a subscription model? Like, how is that model uh, factored? Right. So is it per user or is it consumption based? Uh, is there some other thing that you're using uh, to uh, lever that you're using for pricing? Is the price point right? Is price a disadvantage and is it, you know, causing friction uh, in the buying process so that you have to think about, you know, is, is the price uh, too low or too high? And then the other thing to look at is discounting behavior, right? So if you've got a price point and, you know, the sales team on average is discounting at 80% to close every deal, then you've, you've either got a price that's too high or potentially a sales team that doesn't know how to articulate the value, or perhaps you don't have the right discounting process and guardrails in place so that sales is just allowed to do whatever they want. And, you know, they'd rather sell a deal at, a, you know, at a dollar uh, and get it uh, than sell, than not sell a deal for zero. Uh, yep. Right. Whereas, you know, your price point might be $10. So, you know, sales is incented to sell anything at any price because they get, you know, that's the way they're compensated, but you have to look at, you also have to look at margins too. So, 
like what does it actually cost to deliver the solution that you're delivering to customers and make sure that your price is aligned with the margins that you're trying to achieve as a business. But often there's a trade-off. So like in the early stages of a SaaS company, what's more important, growth or margin and profitability? So you have to kind of take those things into consideration as you're thinking about a pricing change. Yeah, super interesting. I think that getting that math right as you kind of go into it makes makes a lot of sense to me and maybe just, you know, can give you that confidence to start to pull some levers here and just, you know, play around with with the options. Another question I had for you is, you know, what is the who is who should own pricing and what is the right team here to kind of go into it? What's your point of view on that? I mean, I think ultimately product marketing should own pricing and packaging uh, because we're in this unique position to understand the market, the user, the buyer, the buying process, and the product value proposition. So I think we're in the best position to understand how all those things come together to deliver a, a packaging and pricing model that makes the most sense based on all those factors. Although I have seen it owned in different groups, right? Sometimes product owns it, sometimes strategy owns it, sometimes finance owns it. But in any case, no matter who owns it, I think pricing needs to be a collaborative effort between product marketing, product sales, customer success, and finance. And obviously I think the executive team often has a big say and influence in however you're gonna take your solutions to market from a pricing and packaging perspective. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. But I think for all those reasons that you're talking about, like, you know, we are really well positioned there to be a major part of it, if not to, to, to run it. So very helpful to sort of understand it. So let's get into the process a little bit. You have taken on a lot of these major pricing overhauls. Like when you're embarking on a project like this, you know, where is your, where do you start? Where's your head at when you're kind of getting into it? I think you have to ask yourself, what are you solving for? Like, Pricing and packaging changes are pretty massive overhauls and, and change management efforts uh, to make on an organization and how your customers consume and pay for your product. So you need to understand, like, what are we solving for? You don't want to embark on one of these things just for, you know, giggles, right? There has to be something that you're solving for. So typically, that's going to be, are you launching a brand new product into market? Are you repackaging your solution portfolio after an acquisition, um, are you entering into a new market that might have different needs for how your solution is packaged together or perhaps a different propensity to pay? Are you not seeing enough demand for your solution in the market and you think price is an inhibitor of driving that demand? Uh, and then you may be looking at, you know, how, how's your company managing to its margins? And, you know, price obviously has a huge impact on how you manage to margins. So I think you have to think about what is that problem that you're solving for? And then I think it's really important to get a cross-functional team together that's going to help evaluate and drive those pricing changes in the organization. And the other key here is, and I can't stress this enough, is that you have to have one person in the organization who is the decider of ultimate mm -hmm. pricing and packaging changes. Like for us at SalesLoft, we have a pricing and packaging committee that meets once a month. And we review pricing changes and pricing impact and revenue by package and discounting behaviors and any major pricing uh, changes or introductions of new pricing changes as the head of product marketing. I chair that committee, but our president and co-founder is the ultimate decider when we come to a recommended solution on a packaging change or a pricing change. 
Yeah. And then, I mean, I'm sure that makes sense just because it's going to impact everybody. Right. So like you sort of need that, that top down support for it to really go through. And I'm sure it just simplifies it. Cause I imagine there's a lot of opinions on pricing and uh, different ways you can slice it. Right. Yes. That's uh, definitely true. Right. Sales, sales may, may want one thing, customer success wants another product wants one thing, finance wants one thing. So I think it's really important to have a process and clear ownership of who's doing what in the pricing and packaging process. It's another case for product marketing to own it too, because I mean, also we're a very cross-functional role, right? With like, you know, di- like kind of goals in all those buckets in, in some ways. So I think it makes us maybe a little impartial there, just well-suited to kind of take it on. Yeah, Absolutely. So I'm interested to hear, are there specific tools? I kind of asked this question before, but I mean, you know, one thing I hear about are the like willingness to pay, like when you're talking to customers, I guess, what are you trying to figure out? You know, like what tools you're using or what questions are you asking? If, you know, I've seen some willingness to pay like data and, and processes that help with that, which is interesting to me. Anything that you found particularly useful? I mean, the go-to for a lot of things that we do as product marketers and probably the you know, biggest tool that everybody in the world uses is spreadsheets, right? Because yeah. ultimately you're analyzing a lot of data. <clears throat> so for us, we looked at a lot of CRM data on historical price points and looking at the various products that were in our portfolio and like what was the average achieved. There's the price that you set and then there's the price that you get. And what was that actual achieved price point for the different things that, you, that you've sold historically? Because ultimately that's going to drive at some level what we think we can get in, in the future. So I think you look at that, you go talk to customers and, and understand from a historical perspective where they see the value in their product and in your product and solutions. What problems are you solving for that customer? And what's the business impact to them of solving those problems? Because, you know, if you're solving a $2 problem, you can't charge $100, right? But if you're solving a million dollar problem, you've got a lot of leeway in how you price your solution. And then I think as you're launching a new product, are there other products in the market that are similar to that? What are they charging? How does your product relate to those other products? Is it better? Is it kind of a lower capable version of other things that are out there in the market? And that's going to impact like how you think about pricing for those. The other thing that we did as, as part of the, this latest pricing and packaging effort that I ran, in addition to talking to customers and prospects and internal teams, we also talked to analysts. So there are a lot of analysts that are out there, whether it's you know Gartner or Forrester or like in our market, Topo is an analyst that covers the sales and marketing tech space, particularly when you're selling into sort of modern tech, SaaS, modern sales organizations. So we talked to them a lot because they have a view and a lot of vendors and companies who both sell and buy solutions in our market. And that, that was helpful. Our investors actually have advisors who are previous pricing strategy consultants. So we talked to one of those advisors from one of our investors. So there are people out there and resources that you should definitely lean on and, and leverage for input as you're thinking about major pricing and packaging changes. Nice. Yeah. I think those tools and resources are helpful. Just give people a sense of like the options they have and how they can go about it. I'm curious in your take around discounting and pricing transparency. I mean, I think one thing in, in SaaS in particular, it seems like buyers expect that like, if I go into the sales process and I try and kick the tires and at least like push a little bit on the pricing, like there's going to be discounts, which I think can be kind of problematic for the, maybe for the buyer or maybe that it's just a such a common thing. I'm sure you know more about it than me. So I'm just curious, like, you know, how do you think about 
discounting and pricing transparency and when is it when is it a good thing when is it a bad thing yeah you know i think it's it's kind of two different topics right for discounting you have to have a discounting process and guardrails and and rules around how your sales team discounts i think it also depends on the market that you're in right like if you're selling a crm software and everybody in that crm market discounts 40 percent like that's the expectation that's been set in the market. And you probably need to set your price point 40% above what you think you're going to get and what you need to get to, to drive the business uh, results that you're looking for. So I think those are factors. On a transparency perspective, I think it depends, right? It depends on what you're selling. If you're selling a very complex product or solution that can differ in terms of how it's being deployed in your customers and the value or the problems that it's solving and the impact that it's making on their business, there tends to be a lot of variability into how the customers and their willingness to pay and the value and ROI that they get out of your solution. And I think in that case, you probably don't want pricing transparency because every customer is going to pay a little bit differently depending on their needs and how they deploy the solution and you know, how it's going to drive value for their business. Whereas if you're selling a more simple thing that tends to be more consistent in terms of what you're delivering, I think it's important to have a level of price transparency where, and, and the variability in what you're charging customers is going to be less. And so in that case, put your prices and how you're packaging on your website uh, and make it transparent to all. But I think when you're living in that sort of com- complex, every solution may vary a bit, I think you know, you don't necessarily have to have your prices slapped on your website. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's good to just kind of have that understanding, right? Like why transparency and pricing could be bad is, you know, you get into this complex sales process where there's variables or people look different and makes a lot of sense to me. So you, before you were talking a little bit about like one of the issues here is that there's all, there's, there's plenty of, of math and process and sort of analysis that goes into getting this right. But also a pricing effort can fail just because you don't communicate it well, you don't launch it well, you don't market it. So it sounds like you believe that the, you know, you should launch these or market. Can you tell me a little bit more about like what that looks like when it's successful? Yeah, I think for any big pricing or packaging change, it's super important to sort of formally launch uh, those pricing changes because there's a lot of change management, right? So I think it's important to train and enable your sales team and your customer success teams and your renewals team because a lot of your existing customers might be paying on the old pricing model and they need to understand like as they renew their solutions, they may be paying on a completely different model and perhaps a different price point. Uh, And your teams need to be able to articulate the difference in the price point and the value that you're delivering and what's in the solution. I think in a lot of cases, you have to be able to uh, communicate that to your customers, either through your sales team and customer success team and or through the website and you know, marketing materials so that they understand how they're going to buy. And then obviously that drives changes to your website and your marketing materials and, and your sales and sales materials. And then the other key point in how you're launching a pricing change is you have to get feedback and measure success. Like at the start of the project, you have to understand what does success look like? Are we trying to drive a higher price point? Are we trying to sell a, a, a more complex, you know, aggregated solution into the market? And is that working? Uh, and so you have to figure out what those success metrics are going to look like at the beginning of the project and then measure those things after the launch of the pricing change 
and understand is it working or not. Uh, and if it's not working, then you have to have the flexibility to change. Although I think one important factor is if it's a complex change and or a complex product that you're, you're selling that has kind of three, five, six, maybe 12 month sales cycles, you have to give the pricing change enough time to make its way through your go-to-market efforts to understand if it's working or not. I think for a higher velocity product or sales, uh, you'll get feedback faster and understand if it's working or not and be able to sort of flex and, and make changes if you need to. Yeah, it makes sense. I've also seen it too when you've got multiple product lines and also just a customer base that's been around for a long time who may have like some pretty uh, old, odd SKUs that they've just had for years. It's a great place for product marketers to be because I think we can usually think through the right way to communicate those changes to any audience. If it's product driving it, for instance, they may not think through the, you know, how are we going to communicate this to this specific audience where they may anticipate that it's just going to be a bad thing for them unless you wrap it in some communications that makes it really clear, like how this is exactly how this is changing, you know, how it's going to impact them. Like if it is a bad thing or a good thing, I usually find product marketing can add a lot of value there. Yeah. And I think it's important to like involve sales in the beginning of the process as you're trying to figure out what problem you're solving for, get their buy-in along the way, and then, you know, get their get their input and, you know, sign off as you're, as you're kind of finalizing the decisions that, that you're making. So that it's not this big surprise and there's a lot of resistance from the sales team. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, you've been in product marketing for a while now. What's your outlook on the career of product marketing? You think it's a good place for people to be right now? I mean, I love it. I've been doing it for a while and I've had various marketing uh, and product marketing leadership roles. And I always sort of you know, find my way back to a product marketing or a product marketing centric uh, role because I love it. I think when done right, it's the best job in an organization because you sit at the center of sales and product and the market and your customers. And if you've done your job right, you get a seat at the table to help drive go-to-market strategy and understand where your market and company and solution is going. I think some organizations don't understand the role of product marketing that well, in which case I think a product marketing leader has to demonstrate that product marketing is more than just release and launch communication and sales enablement. Mm -hmm. I think you do this by commanding a knowledge, perhaps more than anybody else in the organization of your market, the product, the selling motion, and most importantly, your customers. Customer knowledge is like gold in an organization. And the more you know, the more respect that you have and credibility that you have within the organization. Uh, And when you can do that, you earn a seat at the table for any major strategy discussion and decisions. Absolutely. That's great advice. I think um, you're totally spot on that product marketing is this thing that's still kind of, you know, it's confusing and it can look different sometimes. But the advice to command that knowledge of the customer and the product and the marketer, I love that. And hopefully people can now add pricing and packaging to that as well. I think I, I learned a lot here. So I think it's something that we are really well poised to take on and really own and push these initiatives forward. So I really appreciate you taking some time. It was great to chat. Chris, thanks so much. Yeah, it was great to chat, Marcus. So hopefully this helps other product marketers understand how to do pricing and packaging. Right? Drown in the city lights. Oh.
it's alright.